Welcome to the Member Engagement Show with Higher Logic, the podcast for association professionals looking to boost retention, gain new members, and deepen member involvement. Each episode, I'll bring on some experts, we'll talk shop about engagement, and you'll walk away with strategies proven to transform your organization. I'm Beth Arrett, an association evangelist with over 25 years experience in marketing and member engagement, and I'm so happy you're here. Now let's start the show. Today, we have a fantastic community superstar to help us walk through some of the ways to keep your community hopping with the rather unique set of challenges that we're facing in 2022. Catherine Hackney is an experienced online community management consultant with a history of working with professional associations. Catherine has practical expertise in increasing member engagement and launching new programs and communities, expertise that she's put to good use by consulting with all kinds of communities for the last five years working from home before it was even normal. Catherine, it's so exciting to have you here and maybe you can give us some tips on how to work from home. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Thanks, Beth, so much for having me. Yeah. I mean, working from home, obviously nowadays, everybody's probably already got their really good headset, really good microphone because we do a lot of this uh, audio and video over the computer uh, and have a dedicated space, right? I started out working on my kitchen table and that was just the worst idea. So Uh, Make sure you've got your own little corner or a little office somewhere that is your dedicated space at home. And that makes it a lot easier to to step away and take a break when you need it, too. It really does. It makes it cozier, too. When I first started uh, at the beginning of the pandemic, I started out on my couch, hunched over my computer. And no, it was not the greatest situation. I agree with you. (laughs) And now I have my nice little office corner in my spare room. And it's much cozier and much more conducive to actually being able to sit and work properly. But then, like you said, step away from it and you have a space that isn't shared space for your TV watching as well as your work. So speaking of working from home and being hunched over a screen and it being hard to get away from that, I know that people are starting to get some screen fatigue from the pandemic. And now, in addition to the screen fatigue that we've already had to compete with, We also have people starting to go back out, you know, not so much right now with Omicron, but it is on the way. So let's talk a little bit about some of the ways that people who run communities might be able to keep their members talking, especially with all those distractions. What's the hook? As fast as people are surfing and scrolling or not paying attention because they're ready to go outside or they've seen too much, how do you make a member sort of stop and lean in and pay attention to something? Uh, Yeah, that's a really good question, right? There's so much going online right now and everybody's looking at a computer screen way too often. I could find myself at the end of the day just like needing extra eye drops uh, because it's a little too much. So for sure, you have to make yourself stand out, make your association and online community stand out to catch the attention of members. Usually, I mean, it's really straightforward and simple and everybody's heard it, but be as timely as possible and be as relevant as possible. But like try and take that to more of the extreme than you've ever been able to before, you know, in 2022, put those resources into uh, a good platform, a marketing management system that's going to help you automate things, but also personalize in a way that's more personal than you've ever done it before. Don't email blast all of your members with the same message about online community don't necessarily auto subscribe all your members to a daily digest for the same large group that everybody's in talking about every topic. Try to personalize um, and target what communications people are seeing in your emails 
and what they're going to see on the homepage uh, or any page of your website or your online community when that person is logged in and on your site, they should be seeing a feed that is specific to them, their needs, you know, content they are following. Utilize as much as your platform capabilities to allow you to do that, which is becoming a lot more normal these days uh, as possible to cut the noise that people just don't care about. And it's so easy to just zoom right past. If a member sees something that does uh, automatically seem valuable to them immediately, they will stop and take the time and read through that and look on your site. So just, yes, cut the noise. I love that. I mean, the whole idea of just personalizing the information, like you were talking about in particular, um, Vivian Swarczynski and I had this conversation on the podcast recently about personal versus personalization and personalization. You know, anybody can, you can put their name at the top of the page when they log in. That's just personalized to them name wise. But when you get personal is when you have exactly what you were talking about, show them just the stuff that's relevant to them. If they're in certain communities, just show those communities. If they are in certain communities and you're sending them uh, a message and you're going to include that community information, just put the stuff they're interested in. They don't have time to sort through it. They're just going to ignore it, right? And I, you know, I would add to it and say, if it's in your resources, if it's in your budget, have a full-time community manager or better yet, have a full community team because, you know, there is so much you can do with automation and utilizing platforms and personalized feeds as much as possible, which you should absolutely do. But there's nothing that's ever going to beat a real human connection and human to human contact. And if a staff person uh, who's on a community team can actually reach out to your member and talk to them about what they care about and take notes on that, uh, and then hopefully be able to input that data into a system that then can say, okay, send these types of resources or, or these types of discussions to the member because that's what they're actually caring about. You know, and, and again, cut that noise, but give them that human to human interaction. Members will be so impressed by that because also, you know, people are smart. <laughs> they have figured out a lot of our marketing tricks, you know, so they know uh, their first name can be fil uh, filtered right into an email. But if there's a real human being really specific about a communication, even just in an email to them, if they know somebody actually cares and is listening to them. I mean, that's how you build loyalty over time too, right? Absolutely. I mean, even if you send it through automation, make sure that there's a real person on the other end and that that person is going to reply back. I mean, that's that's key to just engaging with your members across any platform is even automation should still have another person at the other end of that email. Yeah. And it's not that hard to do. Right. It's really not. Uh, even if it's not a community manager, just have a real person's name who is on staff and might be watching the inbox. But do be sure that somebody is watching the inbox of questions, you know, reply to emails with questions that that's going somewhere. My biggest pet peeve is those do not reply email addresses. Ugh, uh, yes. it, it just makes it so impersonal. And it feels like, well, oh, I see that that's where it's going to when I click reply. Why would I even reach out like I'm done? You know, you've almost yeah. already lost me. This isn't a conversation. It's a bullhorn. Yeah. And yeah, what people want is a conversation. They want a two-way conversation. Right. And you're probably going to get a response from them in the form of an unsubscribe eventually if you do that. So exactly. You don't want that because then you can't engage them if they're turning off all of the community digests. If they're current turning off all of communication from the community, you, you can't engage them. The right. only thing you can hope for is that they actually come back to the community and 
if there's no reason to, for them to do that because you haven't told them what's there, you forget it. You're you're sunk with that person. But that does lead into another interesting question. How do members behave differently when they get a message from a peer inside the community? And that the community manager could very well be somebody who knows at least enough to be dangerous, so to speak, about that subject. Or it could be other people inside the community. How do they react when they get a message from that peer versus when they get a message just from the organization that runs the community? Uh, yeah, that's a great question because, you know, even if you're having a real staff person, uh, you know, a real human name posting or responding to members, you know, they know if you're on staff, if you're coming from the organization uh, and they know that your job is to increase their activity. You know, they know your job is kind of a numbers game. Uh, that's always going to be the assumption of a user on the other end. But when you've got messages or replies coming from peers, uh, members are obviously more likely to care about that. They're more likely to respond to a message from their peer versus a staff person um, or even that like dreaded info at inbox that's just nameless. <laughs> again, not not a human. You know, you want it to be as real, as personal, uh, as authentic as possible. Again, like I said, members are smart. They know uh that staff on your organization have a different goal than if another member reaches out to them uh, or replies to their comment in the community. It's definitely a lot more genuine. They feel like somebody's actually seeing them, hearing them. You know, one of their peers is responding. That's going to create a true sense of community. Exactly. You know, they, that's the whole point of putting the community together is so that they'll network with each other. Right. You want to yeah. try and you want to try and facilitate that and make sure that there are questions and things they can respond to. But the idea is giving them the ability to network with each other and make connections and create an online version of a local, quote unquote, local community. And you can't do that if it's just messages coming from the organization. It's not meant to be an announcement board. And I think that a lot of people don't necessarily Either they don't understand that or they don't have the bandwidth or the internal capabilities to facilitate that on the level they'd like. And I think that's how a lot of communities kind of stay low in engagement or fall to the wayside. And that's why, like, when you said to get a community manager if you've got the ability, definitely get a community manager if you've got the ability. It's just so helpful to have. <laughs> Oddly enough, we're recording this on National Community Manager Day. <laughs> yes, we are. <laughs> I just realized we're recording this on National Community Manager Day. And so to all of you that are listening, even though you'll hear this a little bit late, thank you so much for what you do. My participation in communities has certainly been a huge help to me over the years as I've advanced in my career, as I've wanted to learn. I've met some amazing people who have helped me learn things and made some connections that have helped me get jobs. And on top of that, I've been able to give back as I've learned more and help other people along the way too. So community can be helpful and it can be rewarding. If you have somebody to facilitate that and to keep your community going, then if that's if you're that person, thank you. We appreciate it very much. Yes, okay. definitely. <laughs> <laughs> the next question I think I really have is that I'm just curious, what do you think the best way is to stay respectful of members' very limited time? Uh, I do think it goes back again to the personalized emails. So if your main way of communicating or engaging members is through email, uh, direct messages somehow, 
be sure that's as personalized and as targeted as possible. Only send them what you think they care about and what's worth their time. Honestly, I would rather send a member too few emails or fewer than I think they should get uh, instead of just tossing noodles at the wall and seeing what sticks. Uh, you know, again, like you said earlier, Beth, we don't want a member to just fully unsubscribe from all of your communications because there's just too much noise. You know, they they might care about a good chunk of what you're sending, but if they don't care about a good you know, a good number of emails you're sending, it is going to get them to unsubscribe eventually. Um, so be targeted, uh, do survey, you know, gather data on your members any way that you can so that you know what they care about, what they're clicking on, and continue to give them, you know, resources that make sense for them individually and don't just send the same thing to everybody. And with online communities, you know, it comes to making those decisions around, you know, do we have an open forum? Uh, do we have an open forum and topic communities, you know, or do we only have topic communities? Or depending on your platform, being able to follow topics instead of, you know, having to receive every single email post that comes in your email notifications. Be sure that members have a way to cut out the noise. And that's, you know, that way they're going to know that you're sending them what's valuable to them and they're going to feel like that is worth their time. And I think that that is the best way that as an association, we can respect our members' time. And I think that kind of leads into making a community member sort of feel more safe upping their engagement, don't you? Because they're not going to feel like you're, if they up their engagement, you're going to take that as an excuse to email them a ton of stuff because, oh, they're more engaged. I must then get them lots of information. Are there other things that a community member needs to detect in order to feel safe upping their engagement? Yeah. You know, I would say a few uh, different ways to go about that. First and probably foremost is do your best to get questions answered. You know, if a member's posting in your community, how likely do you think they will uh, post again if they haven't received any responses to their previous questions? That's like the number one thing. If you have members posting, at least acknowledge their post or, you know, maybe have an automated email or personally realize like, hey, you posted, but nobody's responded, uh, you know, and a, and a real human recognizes that you know, did you get an answer to your question somehow? Are you still looking for help? How can we help you? Even if, you know, a staff person doesn't necessarily have the answer, that is the job too of a community manager working behind the scenes so that you can get other members to respond to um, each other within your online community, make it look uh, or make it feel like it's actually engaged and like there is real connection there because that feels safer, right? We want your online community not to feel like Facebook. We want everybody to have a real name, hopefully, you know, a headshot or a photo of some kind, because we're talking about professional association online communities. I do not believe that people should be hiding behind usernames or something. You know, they need to take responsibility for what they're posting. Those two things together really are going to help uh, create a safe environment. I'm also a really, really big advocate of moderation. I don't think there's anything wrong with moderating content. Honestly, when it's your website, with when you as an organization pay for that platform, brand that site, the content that's posted on there is under your control. If somebody is being inappropriate or rude, 
you need to take action on that. You need to either acknowledge it and say that's not okay openly so that the other members of the communities can see that, or you pull down that content and have a conversation with the author of that content uh, to stop it from happening again, right? Because it's it's very easy if you have an online community uh, that it can spiral downward very quickly if that kind of content is left up. Uh, we talk about all the time, like, the posts that are happening in your online community or the history of content that members can search and find in your community is serving as the example of what a new member thinks is okay to post. So if they're seeing rude or negative or um, you know problematic content like that being posted by other members and it's left on your site, they're going to think that that's okay. And either they will just leave and not come back because that's not what they're interested in interacting with, or they're going to be one of those people who posts like that and just further that downward spiral. So active community management, active moderation, making sure that if you have a platform that allows it, allow your members to participate in moderation. Let them flag content as inappropriate and have it notify you so you can take care of it. But, you know, not just have that turned on, make sure you communicate to members that they're part of the ownership of the moderation of your community so that it does feel like it's a space for them and it is safe for them as well. Those are all really good points. I, I was over, you couldn't see me, obviously, but I was over here nodding enthusiastically. You have to make people feel safe or they're just not going to post, particularly in this day and age where so many people have been burned by posting something innocently enough on social media somewhere and just getting roasted. So people really do need to feel safe these days before they'll actually post, especially in a new environment. So if you want new member engagement, you definitely need to make it feel like a safe space from the moment they arrive. Absolutely. So once they're there and they feel a little bit safe with their engagement, what makes it actually addictive? Like, How do you get it so that members really want to check in at least once a day and just see what's going on and not just wait for posts to come in a digest? Uh, that's a really interesting question. Um, definitely, you know, everything we've discussed already, having a personalized experience, offering real human to human interaction, uh, real connections directly with their peers that they care about. All of that's going to be really meaningful and make a community sticky for your members. But I have another kind of trick that I've learned you know, I almost can't remember where it originally came from, but I've heard this a few different times and I really love it. Um, that in your onboarding, you should craft a sentence that you can include in each message as a trigger that's going to remind your members to either check their email for community notifications or log on to your community website. It could be something like, you know, when you check LinkedIn, don't forget to also check your other professional network in Collaborate or whatever the name of your community is. I clearly didn't spend a lot of time on that sentence, uh, so I know there are much better ways of doing that. Just keep it short, but include an action that your members do regularly already that you can sort of piggyback on, that you can combine with accessing your online community so that every time they do that thing, like checking LinkedIn, they'll also think to check your online community. It's kind of sneaky marketing trick, but honestly, it's a good way to get people to come back to your site. I love that the whole, you know, the whole idea of associating it with something else so that it makes it sticky. I love that. One of the things that we did at uh, AAAE was we used the RSS feed from community to kind of go a bunch of different places. 
So it's on the news page. It's on the app. When you log in, the first thing you see is community uh, RSS feed, the latest posts, and periodically posted in the newsletter at the bottom right above the jobs feed. So we make sure that the actual links to the latest posts are included so that literally they can click right through to a post. Exactly. Anywhere that your members could be landing on like other web pages or your organization's social accounts, that is a great place to always include a link or, you know, a teaser content to your online community and make it really easy for people to remember that that's there and access it from these other touch points. Yeah. When I going back to what you said earlier about personalizing the homepage, if you've got a way to put the feed for just the communities that they're interested in on your homepage, every time they come to the homepage, it's right there. They don't have to remember to go to the page. If you've got, for example, a conference or a meeting event that's coming up that's about a particular subject, you can put that information on that page, like anything from the community that pertains to that particular subject. And you're personalizing the experience when they land on the page without even knowing who they are. So there's lots of different ways I think you can do it through that kind of personalization too. I love that you brought that up about personalizing the web experience because there's so many different ways that you can do that. We talked earlier about bandwidth. Are there ways for maybe smaller organizations to team up with other communities that members might also be members of or associations to team up together on a community? Yes. So I love that question uh, because it's not something that I think a lot of organizations consider today, but I really think that if they want to truly be valuable within the industry that they're serving, truly be valuable to their members and have longevity last well into the future, uh, particularly professional associations need to start thinking less of other associations as purely competitors, even if they have similar or overlapping audiences, and start thinking about how they can maximize their resources to bring value to members. And again, as the to the industry as a whole that they're serving, you know, having this almost for-profit competitors, you know, we can't work with or we can't share resources with other organizations that have an overlapping audience. Um, that's not really serving anybody. Uh, and you will figure out, you know, if you open that up a little bit, it's actually beneficial to the membership, but also to both organizations or multiple organizations. You know, it doesn't have it to be just two uh, different associations that work together. But we know that many associations are smaller or have fewer resources to successfully manage a valuable online community for their membership. But increasingly, members expect to have an online space where they can connect with their fellow members and the staff of the organization. Uh, so if you do pool your resources together, uh, even more knowledge is able to be openly shared. And in the long run, that will only help the industry and your membership. And if you're doing that, it's going to grow the membership as well. Uh, it's going to grow membership. It's going to grow engagement with your existing members which we know does increase retention as well. So that's how you win in the long term. You know, you need to think about it. Uh, members don't really care about a branded association online community. They don't really care if the community is owned by more than one organization. They just want the connections and the knowledge sharing to be as easy as possible. So if both organizations can bring that to their members, 
uh, members are going to see that value and they're going to stick around and maybe even join both organizations. You know, one different uh, thought about this is that you could have, you know, separate memberships for the different associations, but the online community membership might be thought of as a la mode or an additional fee to be part of the combined community, like a subscription. I like that. Or even if you wanted to do sort of a community light, you could offer up the ability to see certain things or discuss certain things for a reduced fee without a full membership. There's also the concern I've heard from some people is, well, I don't want the other community or the other association knowing all of our business. Well, you can keep certain pieces of your own member information separate, your own community work and things like that. If you've got one where you can control the different subcommunities by member type, by certain things in your database or that you mark in the community itself. So that's not really a concern as much. Right. There are ways that technology can handle this and uh, exactly keep your different organizations data private, as well as like if there are marketing or uh, events or other things you don't really want to share. Honestly, you should probably just be communicating that on your main website and not through like community discussions anyway. But there are ways to keep different pieces separate. And again, younger generations or more and more people are used to the subscription model. So, right, give them uh, the option to have that as a separate fee or, you know, if they're not a member, pay a little extra to just join the online community, but not necessarily be a member of the organization. All of those things uh, can help you become more available to more people and grow your membership, even if each person is paying a little less, uh, potentially through that subscription version. You know, you're still going to have more people and better revenue over time to, again, have that longevity as an organization. That makes a lot of sense. And we talked about LinkedIn a couple of times. LinkedIn actually has that model where their base subscription is just free. But if you're job hunting, here we have this whole premium service for you that you can sign up for. So you could even have different subscriptions for whether you're job hunting, whether you're looking to mentor, get a mentor, whether you're looking to mentor, things like that. So you could sort of do that a la carte thing that you were talking about earlier. I think that is going to become a lot more normal. You know, we have been talking about it for a few years already, but I haven't seen that be adopted by a lot of professional associations, but I would really love to see that. I think it would help the organizations in the long run. I agree. And I think this just the membership model in general is going to get a lot of revision in the next couple of years from a lot of associations. And I'm really excited to kind of see where the association industry, for lack of a better way to put it, where associations go in the future. I think it's an exciting time to be a part of associations. I agree. I'm really interested to see how these organizations handle that too and finding that sweet spot and how to work together and kind of let go of some of the old fashioned competitor organization, you know, mentality and okay, we're serving an industry. How do we best serve that industry and set aside competitiveness almost, you know, it's that playground mentality, I feel like, but it's time for something a little bit different and really putting members first. And, you know, we've seen some for-profit organizations do that sort of a thing, and it has so far been working out for them. So let's adopt some of those new ideas. Agreed. I think there's so much we can learn from just looking at what the for-profits are doing and kind of copying some of it 
I mean, that's that's how associations have moved forward with their marketing, definitely. So I see no reason why community and how you treat members should be any different to an extent. Okay. Well, do you have any other thoughts you want to share before we wrap up? So as a final note, what I would say, again, if you can have a community manager or somebody in a similar role, maybe in the membership department, uh, who has relationships with your members, the best way to engage them and keep them coming back to your association is to create real relationships, to really have a staff person take the time to learn about what your members care about. Uh, doing that makes your members feel like you do respect them, that you do care about them, and that you are trying to bring them the value that you have promised and that they believe they're already paying for. You know, a good way of doing that is scheduling a handful, even just a few one-on-one -on -one calls with members, uh, or maybe, you know, each month you schedule one-on-one -on -one calls with your brand new members, and be sure that they can tell you their feedback about the organization and about your online community and make them feel like you're really taking that into consideration. And where possible, make adjustments. Listen to your members and do what they're asking for. Don't just necessarily ask the question, take the answer, say, oh, thank you, you know, we'll consider that and do nothing. That is something that will not get your organization to last into the future. Uh, you really do have to take action on the feedback that you're getting from members. And members will notice that and they will talk about it amongst themselves. And we all know that word of mouth is the most effective marketing. So anything you can do to build those real human to human relationships and kind of think about it almost like technology is going backward a little bit. <laughs> you know, we don't want to rely too much on automation and AI potentially because people are smart. They know that that's happening and they would rather have a real conversation with another real human being. So where possible, where you have the time and resources, find a way to make that happen. I love that. That's a that's a great thought to kind of end on. I really agree. It's so important personal connection is what keeps everybody going in a community itself. Catherine, thank you so much for joining us today. I know everybody listening has gotten a lot from this, as I have actually, working with the Hug community in Higher Logic. So thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate you being here. Absolutely. Thanks so much for inviting me. I was happy to do it. Um, so for everybody listening, don't forget to subscribe to the Member Engagement Show through Apple, Google, Amazon, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. And also, if you haven't heard, I've started a new newsletter called Association Marketing Pros or AMP. So if you want to get that once a week, grab the link from the episode notes. Thanks a lot. And we'll see you next week.